0: or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclive.org and click on the giving tab and choose online campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel, how we doing? How are we doing, no matter where you are, I wanna say good morning to you. Welcome to all of our campuses and those of you watching here at the broadcast campus as well. Hey, my name's Matt. If we haven't met, uh, it's been a while, nice to meet you. Uh, every once in a while, I get a chance to, uh, to fill in for Pastor Danny. It's a privilege to do that. Uh, during the week, I get to serve on the leadership team with a whole bunch of awesome people. Uh, if you've been blessed by this church or by a staff member or impact team around here, uh, can we just say thanks to God for all of you right now? Um, I know all of us just walked out of an awesome time of worship, and uh, it takes a lot of effort to put on one of our weekends. So I just got put it on my heart to thank all of you in a red shirt on the Impact team and for those staff members that call this place home. My name is Matt. Like I said, uh, I want to jump right in this week. Let's waste no time. You see, Pastor Cody kicked us off last week on this brand new series called Encounters OT, where we're taking a look into the Old Testament and finding encounters people had with God. And here's what's true about us just as much as it's true about the encounters that we're gonna look at. You see, when we have an encounter with God, we walk away different. Last week, we talked about Jacob and his encounter with God This week, I'm going to save it for you, okay? I'll tell you who we're getting to in just a minute. But the idea we'll, we'll wrestle with today is this, that someone walked away with unmatched wisdom after their encounter with God. Now, Danny likes to start with definitions, so let's just get clear about what we're talking about as it relates to wisdom. Here it is, it's in your notes. The wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's not just knowing something, but it's having the wisdom to apply, the knowledge of how and when to apply that knowledge. So that's what we're getting to today. And, you know, I've filled lots of different roles in my life, just like you do. I happen to be a husband. And so uh, I never need, no, I always need wisdom for that. And so I'm looking at different guys that I know and guys who've been married longer than me. As I try to get better, scripture has a lot to say about that as well. I'm also a dad of a seven-year-old named Graham. He's awesome and crazy. And so uh, I'm looking at parents who've been there, who've done that, who've wrestled with raising elementary kiddos as my guy gets ready to start second grade. Uh, so I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I'm a church leader, and there's lots of different encouragements uh, in Scripture, whether it's from, the, uh, from Paul to Timothy or other ways in which Jesus led his people. I'm always trying to glean from those people and from Scripture, and also from church leaders out there like Pastor Danny about how to lead and how to do it well. And you know, I'm also a casual gamer. Now, if you've been around for a while, you've heard it said from this stage, video games, rah rah. okay, oh, Pastor Danny, I know that you're watching and I love you, you know that. But as a mid-30s guy, um, it's oh, the gospel leaves room for grown adult men and women to play video games. Am I right? And I'm looking at wisdom for that too. Uh, I mean, I listen, last night I drove a virtual race car down a virtual mountain, and I felt great about it, okay? But I'm looking for wisdom from the same place your nine-year-old's looking for wisdom, watching YouTube videos of people who play video games 14 hours a day when I'm stuck on something. I don't know what roles you have in your life, but... You know, when I was thinking over the last couple of weeks about where in my life I've, I've learned to either have wisdom or I found these situations where I hadn't had wisdom and wish I had, there was one situation that, that just kind of came to light, and it actually came really late in the planning process. It was almost like God was waiting to show it to me. And it takes me back to my kitchen actually. And I want to show you a picture of the Randall Abode kitchen. Uh, this is circa 2020. This is this week. We, we had to clean this up to take the picture. Uh, but this is my kitchen, but it didn't always look that way. You see, over the last three years, my wife and I have been renovating a 1974 palace, uh, which started with pink and blue carpet and gray and pink flower wallpaper, and then other muted tones from the 70s that I have no idea how they were ever in style. But um, we've been tearing that apart. And one of the projects we did was this beautiful kitchen. So I'm going to show you what it looked like on December 23rd, 2017. These are the pictures I never show you on HGTV. You see, we were getting ready to finish our kitchen, and I had made a promise to my wife that by Christmas morning, the kitchen would be finished and she'd be able to cook in it. Now, if you notice, this is less than 48 hours before that. I was too embarrassed on the 24th to take a picture. I'll tell you why in a minute. But I'd made a promise, and that wasn't the first promise that I would uh, break or make about how long it was going to take to do something. Uh, my wife recently had uh, a month with no washer and dryer. You're welcome. You have one now. Um, <laughs> but we finished this room back here. Anyways, that's, that's the next sermon story. But I want to draw your attention to these two little lines right here. This is a blue line and a red line. These are pipes, pipes. Cold water is blue, hot water is red. You see, to finish the kitchen, I had to do the finished plumbing. Now, my neighbors, my direct neighbors are plumbers, uh, P&K Plumbing. They're amazing people. I'm not advertising for them, but they did great work. But I said, I'm smart enough to do the finished work. And so I knew my job was to take these rough pipes from rough pipes to a working kitchen sink. Now, I had some experience in this before. I worked for a plumbing company in college, late high school, so I knew enough to be dangerous. And so I decided on Christmas Eve, I was going to tackle this project to keep that promise to my wife. Now people are laughing in this room, awkwardly, because it gets better from there. You see, it all takes me to the pipe. Now these two pipes were not finished, so I was getting to it. So I kneeled down at my kitchen sink. And I knew what I had to do. I had already shut off the water to the house. The older woman we bought the house from had left a beautiful laminated sign in the garage that said, whole house water turn off. So I turned that off. I turned the water softener off on both ways. I turned the hot water off on both ways. And I drained the water in the whole house felt good about doing it. Obviously, the first step of plumbing is to turn the water off. So I get down there and I cut into the hot water line, which is colored red, and I do my thing, do my thing, snip snap crimp, 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 perfect. I'll show you a picture of how amazing that looked in just a second. And then I got to the cold water line and I couldn't find the blue one, so everybody pretend this red pipe is blue. And I'm down there and I start to cut through this pipe as well. And all of a sudden, I hear a noise. Babe, 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 come here. Hey, hey, come over. Uh, so here's the situation. Um, I'm hearing a little pressure right here. So I've already cut into the pipe. Now, listen, I turned off the water. It's probably totally fine. But there's a tiny chance that this pipe's full of water. So when and if that were to happen, I just want you to know, okay? At this point, I've already broken the seal, guys. There's nothing I can do here. So I go ahead and ring it around, and I'm fully certain that it's just a little bit of leftover pressure left in there. And I make it through the pipe, and the pipe goes from this to this, water is on the ceiling. Water is everywhere. So I do the natural thing, which is I do the thing and I cover it up with my thumb, you know, like when we're kids and we have the hose and we spray everything. And so, and immediately I close the gap. Now in this moment, um, everything is coming back to me and all the things I had told my wife, she didn't know what she was talking about. I didn't say that out loud, but I really did in my head Uh, where she was like, don't worry about it. Call the plumber after Christmas, it'll be fine. No. No, I made a promise I can do it. No, I can do this. So that an entire house full of cold water pressure is now on my thumb. <laughs> so I decide that we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going we're to we're tackle this. Uh, we're, already, we're wearing jeans, of course, convenient. So we're soaked and heavy and wet with water. Uh, I look like I'm in a Baywatch commercial. And so... I tell my wife, here's the thing, we have to get this valve on here to close it off to stop the water. It's super simple. Now, you'd think that I would listen to my wife and buy the $5 valve that just pushes on, you know, those cool things they go, and they just snap on and everything's fine. No, Mm-mm. no, I'm cheap. So I bought the $2.50 valve that comes with the, uh, the clamp and then the valve, and then you raise the clamp and then you pinch the clamp, and then hopefully you have a, a sink, so we try it the first time, I let my thumb off, water hits the ceiling. I go to the thumb, we go to the valve, water's spraying everywhere, 15 feet away, 20 feet away, water's everywhere. And the valve flies off, the thing falls down and we're stuck again. And now I have water, it's spraying, it's spraying, and spraying, we don't know what's going on. In this moment, my wife is praying. Not kidding, she's like, oh Jesus, please help us, please. She's talking to Jesus. In this moment, I'm doing what my mom used to do, which was sort of cute, but not really. She would have like creative ways to say cuss words. And so, um, I I wasn't a bad one, but it was like a moderate cuss word. So I'm saying that word out loud um, and then regretting it instantly. So my my almost five-year-old child is asleep. Remember, it's Christmas Eve. His presents are done. Everything is fine. We are flooding our house on Christmas Eve. (laughs) We had just installed laminate flooring, 1,000 square feet in an open floor plan. I'm worried that we, now, first of all, we didn't spend the money on the engineered vinyl, whatever it's called, that would be waterproof because that would just be not cheap. And so we have this last chance to go at it. And basically my wife and I are MacGyver and his helper right now. And so with the third time we get down, we push the valve, we push the thing, we crimp it closed, boom, water stops. And in that moment, I realized this is not the wisest thing I've ever done. She's immediately on the phone to her mom. Bring every fan and towel that you have. Don't ask questions. I just need you to come over. It's 10:30 at night on Christmas Eve. So we get down. We try to dry everything out. We had to take out about 350 square feet of flooring. Ended up being a total mess. Now, I want to show you the finished product. This is what it looked like when we were done. Now, this is the hot water side, and if you're a plumber, which most of you are not, you know this is done exactly to perfect. I listen. Give me, a, give me a just honorary plumbing license for this right here, okay? So nobody else clapped. Thank you, that was great. This one is not correct. It's crooked. The thing is way too close. I think I may have cross-threaded that, but it still works. Pastor Aaron Beasley from the Banta campus was like, did you fix that thing? And I said, no, it hasn't exploded yet. <laughs> you see, Christmas Eve 2017 was a clear moment of absolute not wisdom for me. And I don't know what, what you know your Christmas 17 is, but I do know that what Conrad Adenauer says is true for you just like it is for me. I learned that night that the good Lord set definite limits on man's wisdom, but set no limits on his stupidity. <laughs> and that's just not fair. You see, that night something happened to me it's not the first time, certainly not the last time. The same thing that happens to you. Every time we we need wisdom, something works against us. In your notes this week, the enemy of wisdom is pride. It's pride. In that moment, I should have called the plumber. Actually, I should have waited and listened to my wife in the first place. I should have called the plumber. She begged me to go knock on his door. I said, no, 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 I got this, I got this, I got this. And then it made life all that much worse for us. And so Christmas morning, my stepdad comes over and Uh, he's my dad, he's my wisdom guy, he's the guy I always call, and I've always been his son, even though we've never shared blood. I look him in the face, I tell him the story, and he says, well, everybody knows you don't run soft water to a kitchen sink. Of course that's going to have water in it. Thanks, dad. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Okay. My pride got the best of me there, but yet you have those too. You have those situations, those moments, those experiences in your life where if you look back, if you Monday morning quarterback it, or maybe you're even in it right now. It's a relationship that's broken because your anger got the best of you. It's the financial decision that you made that added debt and piled onto a pile of debt that was already there, and now you're underwater. For a student, maybe you just finished a semester where you didn't really do the work you knew you should do, and, well, your GPA took a dip. Whatever it is for you, we've all got it. So if we're going to talk about wisdom today, we got to talk about what happens to hold us against receiving that wisdom, and it's our pride. And that's why St. Augustine, or Augustine, depending on your vacation preference, said the greatest good is wisdom. The greatest tool in our life to live life the way that God expects us to is wisdom. And so we're going to look at the encounter of Solomon today. And in, in particular, in your notes, I wanted to put this here for you so you know where to go back to. You see, Solomon is a, is a complicated guy, like you and like me. He doesn't get it right all the time. Hopefully, we get it right most of the time. So, But I want you to go back this week and read the extended story of Solomon and this encounter and then what he does after the encounter. But to catch you up with what we're going to talk about today, we're going to approach Solomon in a moment where he is honoring his father, David. You see, his dad was David, the king of Israel, David, a man after God's own heart. Now the throne is Solomon's. Solomon is leading as his father did, leading well, honoring God, offering sacrifices on the high places. So he goes to do that. He goes to church, and then he comes home, and he goes to bed. And here's where we meet Solomon that night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and God said, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Now, what? The creator of the universe, the God of all Israel, comes to him in a dream and says, Solomon, hey, what's going on, man? Uh, Good to see you. How's the fam? Good, yep. Anything you want, I will give you. Now, I don't know about you and how your immediate response would be, but me, it's probably something similar to a, a mix between pure spiritual things and that game my wife and I play when we hear the news story about the lottery being up like $400 million or something, and we pretend in our minds all the things that we would buy. So for me in that moment, I'm like, man, she really wants like a Ford Explorer XLT so she can you know, drive us to vacation. And I love a Tesla, my, you know, my commute's not that far, I'd love to just plug my car in and never buy gas. I'd love the two bathrooms that aren't done in my house to be done without paying for them. I'd love my seven-year-old to stop doing the things that seven-year-olds do that I just need to get over. All the things that would probably rush to my mind that either aren't right, weren't right. You have those too. But in this moment, we see Solomon's response and it's shocking. And we'll we'll get through it here, but I want to show you his response and then counter that to, to how our heart works. Solomon replies. He says, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you've, give, you've continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Solomon's first instinct is to go humble. The creator of the universe appears to him and says, hey man, what do you want? And he thinks, man, I thank you. Thank you for my father, who is awesome. How many of you in your first instinct in an encounter with God would be like, listen, my dad is great, right? So good. Thanks for him. Uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for me. Uh, no, he, he instantly responds with humility. And then he gets to business. Then he gets to the meat and potatoes of what it is that he would ask the creator of the universe for. He says, now, O Lord, my God, you've made me king instead of my father, David, but I am like a little child. Who doesn't know his way around? And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and so numerous, they can't be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon, in a moment that many of us would beg for or ask for in our lives, to be given the chance to get anything that we want. He says, I'm like a little child. This whole thing that you've given me to run, to to manage your people, to lead them. You see, I don't really know what I'm doing. And so if you could just help by giving me a, a wise heart, an understanding heart, to be able to govern, to lead the people that you've entrusted me with, if that's what you could give me, I'll be fine. Incredible. And, and we get to see how the God of heaven responds. Solomon says, "If anything that you could give me, just give me wisdom." Here's how God responds. The Lord was pleased. How many of you, how many of you would love to have an encounter with God in any sort of way? And the first way God responds to you is, "Hey, I'm pleased." God is pleased and he's pleased that he asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and you've not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies of which there were many, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will ever be compared for you to you for the rest of your life and if you follow me and obey my decrees and these are yellow on purpose God says as long as you track after me as long as you follow after me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did I will give you a long life Solomon in his encounter with God gets right to business right away So if we're going to look at this story we have to ask a simple question how do we do what he did how, how do we gain wisdom And the first thing that we have to do is what we've sort of already talked about, is to acknowledge that our pride is what gets in the way of us seeking after God's wisdom. And so we have to say something, whether it's internally or externally, we have to say that I can't do it all on my own. And listen, we're a church, so we're going to say this out loud. Say it with me. I can't do it all on my own. As we disarm ourselves from our pride, we then have to look to God. And the way in which we look to God is just as important as the act in itself C.S. Lewis said some incredible words about about our view of this creator of the universe. Here's what C.S. Lewis says. He says, in God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison. You do not know God at all. And then he says, as long as you are proud, you do not know God. God. You see, I believe that Solomon was able to approach the creator of the universe, his God that he worshiped. I believe he was able to approach the Heavenly Father and ask for wisdom because he believed this about God. He understood God to be immeasurably superior to himself in every way, even though Solomon was gifted with the throne of the kingdom of Israel. So for us to disarm ourselves from our pride, we have to admit that we can't do it all by ourselves. And we have to see God as immeasurably superior in every single way. But how do we do that practically? Like, how do we get down to the business of seeking wisdom if we understand God to be who he says he is? I've got three Ps for you this week. The first one is Proverbs. Now, I could say scripture here, but thanks to Jim Garys on our staff, he said, you should do them all by the same letter. And so we're doing three Ps this week, the first being Proverbs. And Proverbs. And I'll tell you why. It's not just read your Bible more. First, we have to understand what Scripture is. It, is. it is wisdom inspired by God. So we see this written in Scripture, that the wisdom from above, the Word of God is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving and gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. How many of us would love to be full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds in any given day of the week, no matter what hit us? I think all of us would love a little bit more of that. You see, what we see in James is true of all of Scripture. You see people that are complicated, like you and me and like Solomon, but, but you see incredible wisdom. And the reason I chose Proverbs this week is because I know many of you struggle to read your Bible. I know, I know many of you struggle to keep a, a consistent Time with God. And so, for those of us who are already engaged in Scripture, I want to be specific with you. And I also want to give you a specific action step if you're not already engaging in that five to 10 to 15 minutes a day of consistent reading. So, I want to encourage you to look into Proverbs. I have a spiritual mom and dad in the house today. And when they would pick me up and drive me to church as a preteen, I looked at them for wisdom. And they were always pointing to the Bible. And when I picked up a Bible for the first time as a As a young believer, Proverbs was easy to digest. And so there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So this week, if if you've been away from the word for a while, I want to get you back in there. Pick a chapter and dig into it this week. But as I picked up the book of Proverbs this week, much like I did when I was a teenager, I, I read words like fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. On Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Reddit. I read other ones. You ready, kids? Here's an encouraging one. The eye that mocks a father and despises a mother's instructions will be plucked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. Kids. Careful how you use that one, parents. If you have been a fool by being proud or plotting evil, cover your mouth in shame. Now, those may be heavy, and there's plenty of encouraging ones in there as well, but Solomon wrote many of those proverbs. This week, spend time digging into scripture and asking God to show you wisdom there. The second P this week is prayer. It's prayer. Now, I know at this point, you're feeling like you're in Sunday school and I'm telling you to read your Bible more and pray more, and those are true. But I wanna also give you a specific action in your prayer life this week that can help you seek wisdom. You see, in my prayer life, sometimes I don't know if you fall into this trap, but you see, I I sometimes cheat God by being so general in my prayer. So if I'm gonna ask God for wisdom, it's probably gonna come out as part of a a longer conversation with God that says, ah, God, give me wisdom to handle whatever it is this week that you throw at me. But you know, what's better? What's better is being specific. And this week, you know, we we live in a time of, of coronavirus and Hamilton appearing on our televisions for $7 a month on Disney+. And so I'm inspired by the words of American leaders before us and our complicated founding fathers. But I read something by Theodore Roosevelt this week as I was looking through ideas on wisdom, he says this about wisdom. President Roosevelt said that nine-tenths of wisdom is being wise in time. Wisdom doesn't do any good unless it's helpful in the moment. So this week, what I have done is I have asked God in my prayer, God, don't just provide for me the wisdom, yes, but provide for me the knowledge, the clarity to when it's most important to use it. Many of us can be smart in our Bible and we can we can whip, the, whip those in shape that don't know their scriptures very well, but it's a lot harder to understand when is it most beneficial, most influential to apply the wisdom of God. So maybe for you this week, it's adding in your prayer life, asking God to bring clarity in those times. The third three is people. No, third P is people. 3 pull. It's all together. There you go. The third P this week is People. Now, I was going to put wise people, but then W doesn't go with P, so okay, fine. It's not just any people in your life that will help bring wisdom, godly wisdom. It's these kinds of people in Proverbs 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become, say it with me, wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. You see... A proverb in scripture can be an encouragement for us to surround ourselves with the right kinds of people. And I don't know what kind of people you have surrounding yourself with, but this week I I just asked on social media. um, I said, hey guys, friends of mine, whatever, where do you go to for wisdom other than scripture? And I got some cool replies about different kinds of books and uh, our worship pastor said uh, old dead guys and old dead girls of the faith. I thought that was cool. Um, But Amy Fox The campus pastor uh, at the Franklin campus, Brent Fox, his wife responded and said two words. She said, my people. And I said, Amy, that's awesome. Help me understand who are those people in your life. And here's what Amy said. She said, hands down, my husband, 10 points to Pastor Brent Fox at the Franklin campus. But also my parents, my lifelong best friend. And I call friends like Carrie when I need another mom voice of understanding and reason. I call Rachel when I need a voice of wisdom, clarity, and direction. I call Ronika when I need a voice of bravery. She tells me just to put my big girl panties on. (laughs) I don't know who those people are for you. My hope is that you have some. But some of us have a group, a circle of people around us whose first instinct is, hey, y'all, watch this. And maybe they end up in the hospital a little more often than you would like to. Maybe for you, it's it's your circle of friends that are quick to distract you from homework and study and pull you away from what you know you need to be doing in your pursuit of your education or your future. Maybe for you, it's the friend who's always buying the nicer, bigger boat and encouraging you to buy the nicer, bigger things. But yeah, my hope is, is that this week you'll be making sure that you're surrounding yourself with People that are wise. Students, listen to me. If you don't have somebody in your life when you have a hard spot in a relationship or at school or in your family, if you don't have a friend that you can text and say, hey, listen, I know you've had some rough stuff in your family before, like, how how did you deal with that? If their response isn't something like, well, what's God telling you right now? What's the rest of the small group saying? You need one of those people in your lives. If you're in financial trouble and you're in debt and every one of the people that you know in your circle is just as in debt as you are and you don't have somebody in your life who has experienced some level of financial peace, my encouragement to you this week is to connect with some of those people. You know, our small groups at Emmanuel are built this way. They're, They're built to provide circles of people, imperfect and complicated as we are, all pointed in the same direction, doing our best to share wisdom with one another. So this week, maybe it's reconnecting. Reconnecting or connecting for the first time, some wise people seeking after God that can help you in this life. I don't know what it is for you, but of those three things, there's a small step that you can take. The question in your notes to close this week is this What small step will you take to grow in wisdom? You see, we come here each and every week and we gather together as a family of believers and And we're encouraged and we're challenged and we're sharpened. And my hope is, is that applies to you in the moment that you can go into your week and apply an action step in a way that makes you a a slightly more dedicated follower of Christ in the seven days between seeing you again. And it's been hard in this time frame as well. But I thank you for being here. And I want you to know that it's valuable for us to gather, whether online or in person or however you're most comfortable but we talk about these things most often in the moment. And and I want to talk about forever. You see, John Tillotson, an old pastor, said this about wisdom and this time that we're in. He says, he who provides for this life, who uses the weekend messages to be encouraged and maybe make a small change in your life, but takes no care for eternity, is wise for a moment, but a fool forever. So I want to talk to you if, if your forever is uncertain. See, for those of us who follow Christ, we, we've made a decision at some point in our lives to, to trust Jesus, the author of wisdom, who was there in the beginning and lived a life here on earth. And like I tell my seven-year-old, Jesus gave a lot about how to love one another in every circumstance. He taught us how to walk a life that was sinless, how to point us in the right direction. Yeah, he did those things, but he also died for you. You see, that path to the cross, his death was a, a payment. When we sin, when we, when we commit wrong against God and his expectations, or, or against others around us, we become sinners. I already told you, every human is complicated, and we are. We're sinners. We never get it all right. But you see, that creates a debt. Jesus paid for that debt on the cross. And so today I want you to be wise for eternity by trusting in a Christ that died for you that went to a grave but yet rose three days later proving he was who he said he was in the Son of God. And he's gone to prepare a place for all of us that trust in him. But that kind of life, that forever kind of life, that the heavenly type of wisdom to live this life is available for us right now in the abundant life. So both your forever and your now can be secure. If you're ready to pray that prayer, I wanna I want lead you in it, it's a conversation with God. And for those of us who've made that decision, I hope that your heart will be in a posture, ready to lift up the hearts of those ready to make a decision today. So if you're ready, I would love for you to join me in prayer. And if this is your step to Christ, take my words and make them your own. Say something like this. Say, Jesus, thank you. God, you've prepared a way for me to come back to you. Jesus, I believe that that I've sinned. And I also believe that, that you can forgive me. So Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness today. Save me, wash me clean, make me new. As I take steps with you, it won't be easy, but I pray and I ask that you join me on this journey. Help me as I walk a life after you. Jesus, I I put my life and my future and my forever in your hands right now. It's in your name that I ask this forgiveness and your help. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And we all said, amen. Hey, no matter where you are across all of Emmanuel, no matter when you're watching this, this church, our body here wants to join you in celebration as there's one going on in heaven. Let's celebrate those that have made decisions for Christ today. Hey, listen. If you've made a decision to trust Christ, I want you to know that we do not want you to take that journey alone. In fact, we would love for you to send us a text message. It's that simple. Send us a text saved to 65248. When you send us that text, we're gonna put something in the mail to you. We call it our saved box. And that saved box has a Bible in there, some encouragement, uh, a reading plan for you to get started on your journey with Christ the right way. And you can partner with us as a church with more information in there as well. We cannot be more grateful that you've trusted us as a place to put your faith in Christ. And we can't wait for what God has in store for you. Now, listen, I know some of you felt like you went to Sunday school today. I know some of you maybe heard something new or renewed in your heart, but I wanna hear you right now. If you're ready for God to show you a little bit more wisdom this week. Are you glad to be encouraged in that? I hope so. I really hope so.